0: Good morning. I think summer decided to finally arrive temperature-wise, especially the next few days. Never mind, my sweet friend got it. Thank you. If you need a copy of God's Word, you just slip your hand up, and Chad or Chris will be glad to give you one. You can go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter eighteen. Acts chapter eighteen. Obviously, with school starting back this week. as Peter was talking about, and I know many of you are very, very excited and. Especially many of you freshmen going to new schools. And just realize that your Heavenly Father's already at that school. He's already checked it out, He's there, He'll be there. Everything's gonna be fine. I can remember, I probably, I don't know if I shared this with you or not, but uh, act like I didn't. I remember going to Colonial Junior High. In 1966, 67, somewhere along in there, in the seventh grade, Memphis City Schools, and I went from elementary school where I was the man in the sixth grade. I won. I was safety patrol boy of the year. Don't get much bigger than that. <laughs> get the stick at flag. Whoa! no cross here. Got stick at flag. My mom was so proud. I was safety patrol boy of the year, and I won the spelling bee all in one year. It was just I was some, but I was big man on campus at Willow Oaks Elementary School. I was four foot ten, hundred and twenty pounds, and headed off to junior high. I was so I was terrified, and the only thing that kept me going was my good looks and personality. Uh, but I survived. By the time I got out of the Colonial Junior High in the ninth grade, I was five foot ten. And 120 pounds. <laughs> so I gained a foot and did not gain any weight. And I loved basketball and wanted to play so badly. And it was ironic how God does things. The one of the coaches at Colonial Junior High was my wife's, who I didn't even know. So we went to the same school and never met. And he was one of the he was my uh, PE coach. Her brother, Jim Hines, and uh, I just. I just was so small, I couldn't uh, couldn't gain any weight. And I got to Overton. I wanted to play ball so bad. And uh, coach said, if you could just gain twenty pounds, you could probably make the team. And I ate everything I could eat, stuff off the street. It didn't matter. I was eating anything and everything, and, and nothing worked. I could not gain weight. Well, I made up for it. It took me took me a while, but I figured I finally figured out how to gain weight and made up for all that. But uh, God is already in your tomorrow. No reason to be terrified. Just go and and be yourself. Everything will be fine. School is, uh, when you're young, I know I can say this now because I ain't young anymore. As an old man, uh, I think back and how cool uh, high school and college, I loved college. I just, uh, and I was married and and I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved going to school. I loved uh, learning. I learning. Lo- I loved learning how to learn. I loved going to uh, football and basketball games. And uh, I just loved, still loved the University of Memphis. It meant a lot to me. And uh, uh, I used to hang out and play, pick up basketball games with a young man named Larry Finch. Uh, I, they just let me sit over there with them. They never put me in the game, but they let me sit over there with them. It was amazing just to, to hang out. And so it's a great time. Love being young, Uh, love it, and uh, see what God's going to do. All right, a couple things I want to mention to you, and then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 18. Number one, what's this Saturday? Y'all do not say that with enthusiasm. We're going to try again. What's this Saturday? Help day, day. woo! Help day, this Saturday at our Bartley campus is our uh, third Saturday of the month, our monthly uh, food and clothing giveaway, and we need As many bodies as we possibly can get, both downstairs to help with the food, push up the parking lot, upstairs with the clothes. So much going on, and and we do it every third Saturday of the month. So if you can be there Saturday, particularly from 10 to noon, but if you want to get there early, like 8 o'clock, and help set up, they can use you then. If you want to hang around afterwards, or even upstairs, the clothing sometimes goes to 1, 1 1.30. There's a lot going on all over the building and I will say it to you, like I say, every month. If you've never been to just one time, just go and participate, particularly if you push baskets and, or go upstairs and, and watch them uh, uh, get the clothes and how blessed they are at the, the nice clothes that they get and other things as well. But push the baskets and get the food and then go to the car with them and ask them if you can pray for, for them. Uh, even if you're not comfortable doing that, they will so deeply appreciate the love that we share with them, and you will be blessed for doing it. I I ask, just ask people around you when we're, not now, when we're done. Just ask people, uh, I know you've been or have you been, and what was your experience? Um, Sometimes you're not doing anything but taking a a can of uh, beans and putting it in somebody's basket, but what you're saying to them is, and with a smile, and and God bless you, whatever you say, uh, they know that they're just being loved. No strings attached. That We're just doing it in the name of Jesus. So that is this Saturday. Now having along those same lines, just helping people and in the name of Jesus, just giving a cup of cold water or a meal. Speaking of meals, when you leave here today, as you go out the door, just to your left, you'll see a giant white cooler. And it is full of meals that are already prepared, and they're warm. I went out there and ate a little bit uh, earlier. I didn't eat Lawrence. I didn't eat. I opened up and looked in there, but Lauren brought them from Bartlett. This morning, even as we've been in, she brought them in. Go through the door to the left. They're in a white cooler. Terry was sharing it with you last week. That's the Jackson Avenue ministry. And here's what we want you to do. Just reach in there and take one of those meals and then go give it to somebody. Just doesn't matter who it is. Uh, I saw five just driving around yesterday. Mary and I were driving around and I saw at least five people standing at different intersections holding up those signs that we all know. and We see them all the time. If you stop and, and say, I just want you to know that uh, as a Christian, I will love you and, and give you this meal. And you never know how God's going to use that. But whether it's the, that or someplace else, just they're there. When you leave, uh, grab one of those meals. If you don't give it to anybody, then eat it. No, don't do that. Grab it and give it to somebody. All right. Uh, there's a lot going on, and I'm not going to get into everything. I want you to make sure you read the, the handout you were given today, or you can go to the website. Uh, a lot of things going on. we have got the Ethnos trip coming up. If you haven't signed up for that, uh, guys, if you'd like to go, it's in September. You can see Chad or, or uh, John Everson afterwards. Let them know you'd like to go so they can have an idea of uh, how many people to plan for and what they can tell Ethnos we can do or we can't do. Uh, our Wednesday night program is going to start up September 4th. I'm going to be doing a Bible study in here. It's going to be a small group. Uh, I really encourage you if you, and, uh, the food is incredible. Pink flamingo in, and food is uh, really good. So come and eat with us. Just hang out together in the middle of the week. Encourage one another. And then if you want to hang around for my Bible study, we're a small group. We've got students across the street and children over here. It's on Wednesday night starting September 4th, and I think you will, uh, you'll find it worth your while. All right, turn to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. We find our hero today, beginning this week, Missionary journey number three is about to begin for the Apostle Paul. And this particular section, we're going to find him in Ephesus. That's where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks. As he's heading to Ephesus, and ultimately his goal is to get to Jerusalem, and then after that, Rome. Well, the rest of the book of Acts, after you finish basically starting here through the end of the book of Acts, is the story of Paul getting to Rome. That was his ultimate goal on this journey, and how he gets there and all that he goes through is not how he had planned. If you ever plan to go somewhere and say, all right, I'm going to go to Destin this week, and this is the way I'm going to go, and you end up not going the way you thought you were going to go. And your wife says, we're not going that way. You better find another route. I've done that. So you end up, you may end, you'll end up there, but you might not end up there the way you thought. It's exactly what's going to happen to the Apostle Paul. And so the encouragement, again, for us is to remember whether you're starting a brand-new school tomorrow Or you're heading to Rome. Sometimes God says. I'm in control. As a reminder. I am God. Trust me. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there for you. It may not happen the way you want it to happen. And it may not always be the way you want it to be. But God does not make mistakes. He's never made one. And guess who he's not going to start with? You. He is the omnipotent. Eternal, great I am, your father, and he's not going to start messing up in your life. He wants you to trust him. The righteous live by faith. A backup to four. It's a the theme of scripture. Trust me, obey me, and you can't go wrong. It does not mean everything's going to be smooth. If you think that's true, just read the Bible. I give you one little simple little book, the book of Job. Read that book you will be reminded how great your god is and how tough life is but that he's still god he's doing something romans 8:28 he's always working good so when you get to acts chapter 18 as we're looking at the ministry of the apostle paul headed into the third missionary journey just want to see exactly as missionary journey number 3 begins let's see what's going on let's intro a little bit acts chapter 18 verse 23 18:23 after Paul had spent some time there, this is at Antioch of Syria, that's kind of his home church, he ended missionary journey number two, this is where we left him last week. The end of missionary journey number two, he's back at his home church, Antioch of Syria, and he's kind of on a sabbatical, He's just he's been there for a while, we don't know exactly how long. Verse 23, he spent some time there, he departed, and he went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So he spent some time in Antioch of Syria. Uh, this is the rest time after missionary journey number two, which has been going on for two to three years. We talked about that at great length. So he's, uh, he's starting out again alone, by himself, starting out. Now notice his purpose in verse 23. I love this because it tells you a lot about the Apostle Paul who is setting up as he heads toward Ephesus. What was his, as he left and he goes to Galatia and Phrygia, what is his goal? Look at verse 23 again. Strengthening all the disciples. That's his heart. I want to go back to the areas I've been in, Galatia and Phrygia and these other areas. I want to go back temporarily and strengthen them, encourage them, disciple them, teach them, help them mature along in their faith, see how they're doing, care about them. Let them know that they haven't been abandoned, they haven't been left. And and what's interesting about this is that God in giving us scripture and in Luke, in recording this history of the early church, particularly in the life of the Apostle Paul, Luke doesn't give us any details. All we know is that he goes to these areas and he strengthens the disciples. And we've seen him do that in the past. And we know his pattern. And he's going back into these churches that he's founded and encouraging those people. But we're not given any details because Luke has got him set on we're going to Ephesus. He's heading to Ephesus. Let's see what's going to happen there. This time that he spends in Galatia and Phrygia and from Antioch all the way around getting back to Ephesus is about 1,500 miles. And he's not flying. He's walking or riding a donkey, 1,500 miles ministry. Just He's going wherever God has him. He's just involved in ministry. If you don't think there's a principle there for you to grab a hold of and hang on to, I, I encourage you to stop and pause and think about it for a minute. He's by himself. I'm early joking about girls starting, others starting in a new school, as Peter was talking about. If you're a believer, and as a Christian, particularly sometimes as a young person, you, you, peer pressure is so strong and socially fitting in, it can be terrifying Here's Paul who's going to go back. Now when he gets there, obviously there are people there that he knows. But there are times when it's just him. And here's what we need to understand and remember as believers. If it's just you and God, it's enough. It's enough. I love Psalm 73 for that very reason. I encourage you maybe to read it this week. If you've never read Psalm 73, just read it. Because it starts out with the the psalmist is crying out to God, how come all the people who who are not interested in you are doing so well and I I spend all my time wanting to do what's right before you, God, and honoring you and and they're the ones that seem to be benefiting and enjoying life, not me. And then he gets to the end of the psalm and he complains. He's just real. I love scripture, just real. And he gets to the end of the psalm and he says, then I got alone with God and I realized you're all I need. You're all I need. You are my Alpha and my Omega. You are my Father. And if it's just me and you, like Job said, it's all I got, it's all I need. Me and you. That's enough. So here's Paul. going to go, and he's going to minister. That's all we know about it. And I was thinking about, it's not recorded. We don't know all the incredible things that maybe God did. At the end of the Gospel of John, my favorite books. I love the Gospel of John. At the end of it, the last thing John says in his Gospel about the life of Jesus Christ, and John's Gospel is not written like Luke's was a, a chronological narrative and the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke where basically want to give you the details and the history of his life. John's not written like that, even though there's history in there. John it writes his Gospel just like a screaming evangelist saying Jesus is God and in him is life, only in him is life. That's what John is trying to scream out and get people to understand. Jesus is God. And at the end of his gospel, he says these words. There are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. That's the end of his gospel. He said, I've just given you a synopsis. What John does is lay out seven great miracles of Jesus in increasing intensity, going from changing water into wine, which is pretty cool, changing the molecular structure of something from water to wine to raising Lazarus from the dead, and then obviously raising himself from the dead. In increasing intensity and in increasing statements of Jesus, the great I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am living water, I am the resurrection and the life. In increasing intensity. So people would understand. You're not just dealing with another crazed religious fanatic. Who claims to be God. This dude is God. He's proven it. By his authority. By his works. By his words. By his life. That he is. Like he told the Jews. Before Abraham was. I am. I am the God of the Hebrews. I am the God of all. I am. The self-existent. One. So, Paul is just ministering on his way to Jerusalem. I want you to notice verse 19 of, ch- of chapter 18. This will become important. Verse 19. eighteen nineteen. Paul came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he, entered him, he, he, he himself entered the synagogue and he reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent. They're asking him to stay at Ephesus, but he said, no, I cannot. He's on his way to Jerusalem. But he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Now we will pick him up later there. But here's the point. Go back to verse, uh, 18, 18, 18. Paul still remained a good while. He took leave of the brethren. And he sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off as in Tria, for he had taken a vow. They get to Ephesus. Paul, we met Priscilla and Aquila the last couple of weeks. His new, uh, some of his new partners in ministry. He leaves them at Ephesus. And then, or excuse me, he leaves them at Corinth and then he heads out ultimately to get to Ephesus. Excuse me, he leaves Aquila and Priscilla at Ephesus. I'll get it right in a minute. All right. So then you get to chapter 18, verse 24. We're looking at what's going on at Ephesus. First guy I want you to look at, and what we're going to really talk about, focus on today mostly, is this guy named Apollos. You'll see him come up later in the book of 1 Corinthians. But who is Apollos? Well, let's go to chapter 18, verse 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Remember, Aquila and Priscilla are at Ephesus. This man had, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and he taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. That's John the Baptist. That will again become important to remember that, John the Baptist. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews, publicly showing that from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Now, what what I want you to see is the ministry of Apollos at Ephesus. And then next week, we're going to get into the ministry of Paul. But I want you to see this ministry of Apollos leading up to that. This is at Ephesus. All right, let's talk a little bit about Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia. It had a population of about 300,000 people. It was the number one commercial city in the whole area. It had a huge harbor. It was uh, Many of the people there were very wealthy because of the trade that came through there. And one of the most important fixtures in the city of Ephesus was the temple of Diana, also known as Artemis, the goddess of fertility. So whether it's Diana or whether it's Artemis, it's the exact same goddess. She was the goddess of fertility. And I had a lot of visitors came that It was one of, you've probably heard the term, the seven wonders of the world, ancient world. This was one of them, the temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis. It was 418 feet by 239 feet. It had 100 columns that were over 50 feet high each. The sacred image of Diana, which supposedly fell from heaven, stood in the sacred enclosure, and it was uh, something that was very important to the people at Ephesus. One of the things that went on in the worship of Diana, Artemis, was cultic prostitution, uh, part of their worship process. And they had hundreds of these priestesses, they were called. So Apollos comes to that scene at Ephesus. So what we see about him in verse 24, he's a visiting Jewish teacher, rabbi. <clears throat> he's from Alexandria. <clears throat> Alexandria had been the number two city in the Roman Empire next to Rome. It was was a center of education and philosophy. The library at Alexandria had over 700,000 books in it. And the population of Alexandria was about 600,000. It was a very cosmopolitan, very uh, uh, university-focused place. It was a very uh, population that had Egyptians, Romans, Greeks, Jews. And the Jewish population there was about 25% of all of it. It was very influential. Alexander, uh, excuse me, Apollos is one of those. It was at the mouth of the Nile River. It was a very beautiful place, Alexandria, named for Alexander the Great. Now, here's what I want you to see about Apollos. How is he described in verse 24? He's a Jew. Born in Alexandria, he was, quote, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, and he comes to Ephesus. First thing I want you to see about Apollos is he needed help. He needed help. He couldn't jump on the internet and see what everybody else was teaching. And he had the scriptures. He's mighty in the scriptures. That would be what we would call the Old Testament. He was an eloquent man. The word, an eloquent speaker, unlike myself. He was very learned. Many ideas is what it literally means in the original language. This word, eloquent, in verse 24, says he was born in Alexandria. He was an eloquent man. It's the only place in the New Testament this word is used. Apollos was, when he got up to speak, what did people do? They paid attention. He was very good at what he did. Incredibly eloquent, very learned, but he needed some help. He was an expert in the Old Testament. Notice, we'll keep reading. He was mighty in the scriptures. The word in Greek there for mighty is the word we get dynamite from. He was powerfully eloquent in explaining the Old Testament scriptures, an expert on what they said. Notice, continue. Verse 25. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. That's an Old Testament euphemism for the Scriptures. He became fervent, he, he being fervent in spirit. He was into it. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. He had been instructed. In the way of the Lord. He was incredibly enthusiastic about what he did. He believed it with all his heart. But he had only, his knowledge only went up to what he had heard up to the point of John the Baptist. What was John the Baptist's message? Or his baptism? It was about repentance. Repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He saw Jesus. What did he say the first time he saw Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. So he was pointing out, this man is the Messiah. He was pointing out, come to be baptized for repentance because the Messiah is coming. He didn't see the crucifixion. He didn't see the resurrection. He didn't see Pentecost. He did not see the ascension. Apollos didn't know about these things. He knew and he believed in the promise of the coming Messiah. He had not seen all the ultimate fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. And then we'll see others when we get into chapter 19. Then we're in the same position. These are what we would, what theologians would call Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints were saved the same way you are. Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him as righteousness. Charged to his account. He believed God's promise of a coming Messiah. He looked forward to it. Old Testament saints. New Testament saints... Us, we're saved by looking back at what happened at the cross. Jesus, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, the coming Messiah, the one John the Baptist was talking about and pointed to, he came and fulfilled all that God had promised starting in the Garden of Eden and going all the way through Old Testament history that this is the one who would come, the son of David, the son of man, the Messiah, as Daniel described him, the son of man, the Messiah to come to redeem the Jews and mankind. So Apollos is speaking the truth accurately. He just needs to have some gaps filled for him. I love that you see the hand of God here. Look at verse 26. He needed help, and in verse 26, it's provided for him. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside and explained the way of God Again, way of God is an Old Testament euphemism for the things of the kingdom of God. Explain the way of God more accurately. They taught him all the ultimate fulfillment that they had learned. And I want you to remember, Paul left them at Ephesus and went off by himself. God had brought Aquila and Priscilla to him to minister with him as partners. Did God know that this was going to happen with Apollos? Was he preparing them to be there for Apollos? Yes. Again, in our lives, that principle is so important. Our God, our Father, who wants to use us in ministry, is already in tomorrow. He knows what He has for us, He knows what He wants us to do, and He wants us to step up and do what He prompts us to do, where He places us. Every believer is a priest. Every believer is in the ministry. But I want you to see this picture of Apollos. He's eloquent. When he speaks, people listen. He's fervent. He's talented. He's learned. People are drawn to him. But here's what I want you to see about this man. There's two things that are so important, particularly in leadership. He is submissive to what He needs to be submissive to. And he's humble. He's not like, hey, I am Apollos. He's allowing himself to be taught by a woman. No Jewish rabbi would do that in that culture. It just didn't happen. He's allowing himself to be taken aside and taught the way more accurately by a woman and a common tent maker. Priscilla, and Aquila. The church is different. It was unique. It was neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. God had something special here. It was the body of Christ. So Apollos is willing to humble himself, be submissive, and listen. He's an expert in the law, in the Old Testament way, that he allows himself. There, Aquila and Priscilla are available And he allows himself to be taught by them. And notice verse 26 again. It's really cool. Verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. People are listening. Quill and Priscilla are there. They hear him. What's the next phrase in your Bible? They took him where? They took him aside. Or took him to their home. In other words went to him privately and said let us share with you the fulfillment of these things that you're talking about give you the additional information you need they didn't embarrass him publicly they didn't berate him in front of the people who were lit they took him aside and talked to him shared with him and taught him what they had learned from paul how they had grown they wanted him to see who jesus really was how he was the messiah how he was crucified, how he rose from the dead, how he ascended, what happened at Pentecost, all these incredible things they wanted him to see and understand. Now, he needed help. He got the help. Now look at verse 27, what happens. When Apollos desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren, there at Ephesus, wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. Remember, he is a Jew. Showing from the scriptures, (coughs) scriptures, scriptures. (laughs) I'm going to, I'll be glad when my voice changes. (laughs) Showing from the scriptures. (laughs) Scriptures, Old Testament, what he had just learned from Aquila and Priscilla, that Jesus is what? The Christ. The Messiah. Not just that he's coming The two John the Baptist, but he is. Let me show you in the scriptures. You remember after Jesus rose from the dead? Remember the two disciples on the Emmaus road? Jesus encounters these two disciples and and he asks them, He said, What's going on? What's happening? And they were like, Where have you been? Have you heard about all of this? And the Bible says Jesus makes himself aware to them, he takes them aside, spends the day with them. And takes them through the scriptures pointing out himself. Wouldn't you like to have been at that Bible study? So you know here in Numbers when Moses is raising the serpent on the pole. Oh that was a picture of me hanging from the cross. Uh, here when Jonah's in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. That's a picture of me in their death, burial, resurrection. Can you imagine that Bible study? I bet you wouldn't have had to charge a whole lot to get people to come to that one would you? Wow. Could charge anything you wanted to. That's what's happening here. His eyes have been opened to full understanding. And notice he vigorously, he gets to now help others. He wants to go to Achaia, verse 27. Specifically, he wants to go to Corinth. He wants to go to the church there, the believers there. That's where Aquila and Priscilla had been at some point. He wants to go serve. And I love what goes on in verse 27. What do the believers at Ephesus do? They write him letters of recommendation so that the church there, particularly in Corinth, would accept him and listen to him. He wants to go serve. So the believers at Corinth would accept him, the believers at Ephesus write him letters of recommendation. So he gets to Corinth, verse 27, verse 28, and notice it says he great, number one, he greatly helped those... I want to make sure we read it again because I want you to not miss the import. He greatly helped those, verse 27, who had believed through what? Grace and not law. He wanted to bring them from an understanding of what the law was, the scriptures. They had, we talked about it a number of times going through Acts, how Paul constantly was having to remind Jews that come down from the home office that this is about grace, this is about Grace. This is about grace. Apollos is now doing the same thing and encouraging them. They were saved by grace, to live by grace. How were you saved? By grace. How do you live? By grace. God giving you something you don't deserve. None of us deserve redemption, salvation, but God offers it to us. Christ bought it for us. And Apollos is excited, still fervent, still eloquent, still an expert, but now he really knows it, how it applies. And he's excitedly sharing it with these people, vigorously refuting, verse 28 again, vigorously refuting the Jews, publicly showing from those scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. In Greek there it says, and he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. The Greek translation of that is he crushed them. That does not mean that you want to embarrass someone. It does not mean you want to put them down. It means they're sharing, this is what we believe. And then he stands up and says, let me share with you what we believe as Christians. Share the truth. And the evidence refutes, vigorously refutes or crushes them. For example, there are many, many things in our lives as believers. We learn what the truth is. And then history supports that. It supports scripture. Then you share that in a loving, compassionate way. Speak the truth in love. Not to win arguments, but to win souls. Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Not just some crazy Jew who thought he was God. Not just a great prophet. Not just a great teacher. But the son of God. The Son of Man, the God Man, who died so that we might have peace, hope, and a reason for existence. He gives us that grace. That's the message we have to share. Apollos, we will see as we go through this, and history shows, he became a trusted friend of the Apostle Paul, working with him. If you go to Corinth, he became. A teacher at Corinth, he will get there, that they loved him, held him in high esteem. He reached the point he was held in the esteem with Peter and Paul. And then there was Apollos. Those were the ones they looked up to. As a matter of fact, it became an issue at Corinth. Paul would later write these words to the church at Corinth. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God, who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. But here's the point, here's what happened at Corinth, and you probably know the story. Apollos gets there, Paul has ministry there, Cephas or Peter, and then the people in the church at Corinth started dividing up into groups, like everybody over on this side of the room, we're going to follow Paul. Everybody on this side of the room, we're going to follow Apollos. Everybody here in the middle section, we're going to follow Cephas or Peter. And then you had a really spiritual group, of the ones out there in the lobby, they said, we're going to follow Jesus. And what happened was they were dividing up into sex and they were fighting. And Paul would write to them, what are you doing? That's fleshly. That's immature. So he writes them these words. I'm a minister. Apollos is a minister. Later, Peter is a minister. I might plant and Apollos might water. But all that matters is that you minister. Results increase. Harvest. That's God's business. Not everybody has the same gifts. Apollos clearly was an eloquent speaker. Paul was not. If you read it, he talked about himself. He didn't come with mighty words of wisdom like maybe Apollos did. I just came preaching Christ crucified. Everything, every ministry. For example, you pick up a meal today and you go give that somebody in the name of Jesus. You just lovingly give someone a meal, Saturday, what we do. It's important. You love in the name of Jesus. You share in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he died for those people. Even people who hate you, who want to see you harmed, the Christ-like response to them is love them. Pray for them ask God to bless them who despitefully use you. Why? Because then it's on their head, the idea of coals of fire on their head. Because you've all you've done is what's right. They've got to decide, am I going to accept that or reject it? All you've done is show them the love of Jesus. Apollos needed help. God sent him to help. With Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla. They taught him the full gamut of the way of the Lord. And then he excitedly goes and he shares that. But then people take it and make it something it didn't need to be. And we want to follow him and we don't want to follow Paul. And Paul said, Stop. We're all following the Lord Jesus Christ, it's one body, different gifts. We could go around the room. So many of you I know and and think about spiritual gifts. I won't embarrass anybody, but I'm looking, just looking, and I see people I know have the gift of service because I watch them serve. Some people have speaking gifts like teaching, preaching. Others have serving gifts like helps and ministration, the gift of service. And clearly Paul himself writes in Romans and in 1 Corinthians that Just because you're not the one who's up front, who's seen by everybody like me, what you do is just as important. The gift of faith, the gift of giving, your prayer life. If you ever think those are insignificant, you're calling God a liar. Incredibly important. It's one body. One body. The parts of my body need the other parts of my body. To thrive, to exist, just like we need each other, no matter what your gifts are. Apollos had the gift of teaching, but he also needed to be taught. I love that. And that's where I want us to end today, thinking about that. Apollos will end up at Corinth. Paul's going to end up at Ephesus. And Paul's going to write a letter later about, to Corinth about where they are. But here's the beauty of understanding God in ministry. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and we go back fifty years. We've known each other, and he's in ministry in another place and struggling. And then we're just sharing with each other, and then we look, we think back to where we were fifty years ago. I spent more time at this guy's house growing up than I did my own. His mom passed away, I don't know, a year or two ago. One of the most godly people I ever knew. First real Christian I ever knew was his mom. But Mike and I grew up together, even before we were saved, we were crazy. We we loved, I got a picture of us playing baseball, fourteen year olds playing for our church, and and uh, the uniforms were so old, didn't even have all the letters of the church on it. Just had some of them, and. I just remember what great times we had. I was talking about, you know, go back 50 years ago. I was 15 years old. We didn't, know, we didn't know we didn't have money. We just existed, did life. But God gave me a friend that I desperately needed and, and his mom. And later, I through that process, would meet Mary and other her, her godly parents and that family. Mike and I got saved the exact same day in the exact same room prayed together to receive Christ together and gone through different hard times and he ended up in some difficult times in the Marines and then ended up in ministry and we we were thinking, looking back, God's hand was on us the whole time. We didn't know it. We had no idea. All we knew was we need Jesus. And then you look back and you just see what God has done. Now here's the important thing. That I, for me personally, that I took out of Apollos that I really want to encourage you with. So you look, I look back 50 years and I see where God has brought me to age 65 here. You know what? I cannot be satisfied. It would be wrong. It would be sinful. It would be out of the will of God for me to say, I've done enough. That's wrong. It's wrong. I need to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do. I can't be somebody else. You know what? Does God want me to be somebody else? Absolutely not. He wants me to be who I am, serving him where he places me. Loving him, serving him, just like he does for you. Every believer is a minister. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, as we close out our time together today, We simply pray for each of us, starting with me, that every day I would seek your face, never be satisfied, never think I've arrived, nobody can teach me anything, realize I need to come to you, stay in your word, seek your face, both in my prayer life and in my study of scriptures and my submission to you, that I can be what you want me to be, not what somebody else wants me to be, what you want me to be. Pray that for each of us seated here as Christians, That would be our prayer, whether we're 12 or 65 or even older, that I would be what God wants me to be where I am tomorrow and the next day, wherever he places me, because that's your ministry area for me. Use my gifts, each of us. And Lord, if there's somebody here who's not a believer, encourage them that you have a life for them that they cannot understand until they trust Jesus, that gives them a future, Hope, inheritance, and peace right now by trusting Jesus Christ. We commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.